years ago, when I first started pastoring in Douglas, the community got together at Christmas time for a Christmas service with all the churches. And the lead pastor of that time asked me, would you share your favorite Christmas verse of all time? And I kind of surprised him because I said it's in Galatians. It's Galatians 4. Galatians 4, 4. Now it came about in the fullness of the time. God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law. In the fullness of the time. At the right time. At the perfect time. Whenever I read that, I began to realize that God has a timetable. He knows the right time for everything. And sometimes we live in a world that doesn't understand that. In fact, even we in church can forget that. That God has a time and a right time. One of the most favorite Christmas carols is Old Little Town of Bethlehem. It was written by a pastor in Boston by the name of Philip Brooks. He was a great pastor. He was a wonderful man, joyful, happy. But there was a day that everyone in the church kind of noticed he was stressed out. He was nervous. He was in a hurry. And they came to him and they said, well, Pastor Brooks, what's wrong? And he said, the problem is I'm in a hurry and God isn't. And I think that sometimes is where we're at. We can be in a hurry, but God isn't. In fact, the word of God says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord. Why is that so important today? Well, maybe it's because the two most favorite words of the enemy are these two words. Yesterday and tomorrow. You don't think about that. And that's why they're so deadly. I worked downtown Seattle in a mission for almost 10 years. And do you know what we discovered? That probably 90% of the guys on the streets, the homeless, are living in the past. Somebody done somebody wrong song. I'm here because of what happened then. And it permeates their entire life. Of course, we never do that, do we? We don't live in our past failures or whatever happened that we didn't like we don't let that affect who we are today, living in the past. Really? And then how about living in the future? We don't have a culture that tells us all the time, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. It's going to get better tomorrow. You're living for tomorrow. I went to college, and the whole philosophy was one day. Do you see how deceptive that is? You have no guarantee there's going to be a tomorrow. And you can't change yesterday. That's why God says, they that wait upon the Lord 
right where you're at, you'll renew your strength. So at Christmas time, I thought I would share with you one of the greatest gifts God has ever given to the church. And it's not just the Son of God born in a manger. He gave you three gifts at this Christmas. And I can't help but tell you and believe with all my heart, if you would take these three gifts, it would make all the difference in the world about how this Christmas turns out for you. The first gift, and it's a promise from God, is the now. You're living now. You're not living tomorrow. You're not living yesterday. You're living now. Right where you're supposed to be. Right here in this audience. This is the place God intended you to be. You may be going through a terrible time. Can I tell you something? The Bible says, if I take the wings of morning, if I go to the uttermost parts of the world, dwell in the sea, there thy right hand is, and thy presence shall sustain me. Where can I go from thy spirit? I remember when I was 19, and Uncle Sam sent me on a tour of a hot climate called Vietnam. And I remember sitting on that plane as we disembarked. And I remember saying to myself, trust and obey, God. Yep, yep, that's what you do. Trust and obey, and look what you got me, God. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to get myself killed. That's just what was in my heart. Do you know I found out something? God was in Vietnam. He was there. A few years later, I worked at a state penitentiary in Washington. Can I tell you, God was there? In fact, everywhere I've been, God has been. This is the Bible my folks gave me back in 1965. I wanted one that you had the how to read the Bible through in a year, and this was my first one. I kept this Bible. It's kind of marked up. And I can remember this little 14-year-old boy reading the scriptures early in the morning. And you know, God was, I was praying, God, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I will obey you and I'll read your word. You're going to have to tell me or show me. You're going to have to make me understand it. And somehow I think God did that. I began to read one morning and guess what I read? I underlined it, Cara. I never forgot it. It was a little passage about Noah and the ark. And in the King James Version of this Bible, it says, didn't tell Noah, go into the ark. He said, come into the ark. That hit me. Because then I began to realize that wherever I go, God is with me. If I go through the valley of the, the, the valley of Baca, David says, do you know what the valley of Baca was? It was a valley of weeping. And if I go through the valley of death, thou art with me. Thy rod sustained me. 
God's presence is here in the now, guys. Even if you're not in some type of place of joy, his presence is with you today. Don't worry about tomorrow. And don't live in the past. Live in the now. It's his gift to you. Then he gave you another gift. Well, maybe I'm going to back up for just a minute. I'm going to tell you how living in the now can change things for you. I was on a plane out to Seattle. I had to go to a board meeting out there. And I was reading a really good book. You know how you get in a book and you can't wait to keep on reading it, especially when you're in a really good part? And I was in a really good part. So I was, you know, so I got on that plane and, I'm, and guess what? The seat next to me was vacant. So I'm, okay, there's no problem. Very last minute, this guy gets on the plane. When I found out later, he was on standby because he was a pilot and he was doing a jump to a Seattle where he was going to go to Anchorage. And so he happened to catch the seat right by me. I wanted to read. Guess what? He didn't. He was so happy. And he just, I mean, I talk a lot. He talked even more. And I'm sitting there. And I, next thing I know, he's talking about going up to Anchorage. And he's taking this test to become a real estate agent. And so he wants to talk about real estate. Guys, I know about as much about real estate as I do quantum physics, okay? I'm not, I want to read my book. I don't want to, I don't want to listen to a guy talking about real estate flying to Seattle. And then that's when God spoke to my spirit about living in the now. And he said, listen to what he says. Guys, I'm serious. I felt God's impression upon my spirit. Listen to what he's saying. And I thought, what a weird thing to think. Listening to some guy talk about real estate. I'm a preacher. I'm going to a board meeting. I don't want anything to do with real estate. Listen. So I did. And I went to my meetings up in Seattle and uh, got on a flight coming back. And we got into Salt Lake, and when you go to Salt Lake and comes to Casper, you have one of those little puddle jumpers. And so I'm on this puddle jumper. There's about seven of us on this plane, and I'm sitting up towards the front, and the stewardess got done with what she's doing, and she comes and sits in the jump seat right across from me. And guess what? I look over at her, and she's reading. Do you know what she's reading? She's reading a book on real estate. And so I happened to say something about what he had told me. And then I, and she perked up and, I, and he told me something else. And do you know real estate? And I said, well, no, not really. I just happened to be on a plane with a guy I talked about. And she goes, well, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. She unbuckles her seatbelt. She takes the seat right beside me. And for the entire trip to Casper, she pours out her life I don't know how many times you've flown. I've flown a lot, but that is the only time I got off a plane and got a hug from a stewardess who said, you changed my life today. That's living in the now, folks. You can't live tomorrow, and you certainly can't live your past over again. But you can live in the now, and you can say, God, I'm here now because you ordained it. 
That's what the word of God says in the fullness of the time. At the right time, you're in the right place. Another gift God gave you, it's called the gift of the wear. You know, a lot of people think someplace better than where they're at right now. Oh, it's warmer in Arizona. It's prettier in the Caribbean. It's beautiful up in the Swiss Alps. I want to be anywhere but here. Really? God has you here right now. He may move you someplace else tomorrow, but you are here now. And guess what? It's a pretty cool place to be. It really, really is. When you're living in the where, God can use you. Do you know there's a man in scripture? His name is Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his younger brothers. You remember the coat of many colors? He was probably maybe 14, 15 at the oldest when his brothers sold him to the Ishmaelites and they carted him off into Egypt. Do you know what it says in the 39th chapter of Genesis four different times? While he was in slavery, while he was lied about, thrown into prison for probably 13 years. Do you know what the Bible says about that time? Then the 39th chapter of Genesis, God was with Joseph. Everywhere he went, God was with Joseph. Even in prison, when they forgot about him, God was with him. And he understood that. Do you know you can't have the presence of God unless you yield to his presence? Joseph was where he was at, and he looked up and he still saw God in the middle of wherever it was. And God used him. In fact, the day came that he was promoted to the second highest rank of all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave him his beautiful daughter for a wife. And about a year later, guess what? Joseph had a son. I can see her on the veranda coming out to Joseph. Hey, Joseph, this is our son. What should we name him? We can name him Joseph. We can name him John. What should we name our son? And he says, his name is Manasseh. What? His name is Manasseh. What kind of name is that? It's a Hebrew name that means he made me forget. What? You don't understand. My mother died when I was eight. My brothers hated me. They sold me into slavery. I was lied about, thrown into prison, forgotten. My life was torment. But I serve a God who has made me forget that when I see my beautiful wife and my son. He made me forget. Year goes by. She comes out of the rand again. Hey, Joseph, 
When we got another son, what should we name him? His name is Ephraim. Ephraim? What does that mean? Ephraim is Hebrew, and it means he made me fruitful in my afflictions. God blessed me even when it was bad in my sorrows. I serve a God who is able to use even the hard things of my life for his glory. That's what living in wherever you are. This morning I went for a walk in the dark at the park. And as I walked down through the park, I looked up at the hill to United First Presbyterian Church of Sheridan. Do you know what I saw? I saw a cross. As I walked through the town, I saw flags. I saw danger scenes. I have lived almost 20 years in Seattle. People don't see those things anymore. But I saw them here. On Tuesday, I picked up the Sheridan Press. Front page shows a little girl, junior high girl, in Sheridan, Wyoming, with her hand raised up. Headline. She's praising God at Christmas, singing Christmas carols. I live where God has given me a chance to prosper in his name, and so are you. You're here. Don't be where you think is better now. It might one day be your place, but for right now, at this Christmas time, this is where you are. And it's God's blessing to you waiting in the where. And then there's the third one, waiting in the who. Do you know that God has the who in your life for the right time? Revelation tells us they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. What's your testimony? Isn't it just the truth about each one of us? I have a testimony. Some of it is good and some of it's bad. But that's my testimony. I've lived that. And God brought the who into my life that I might share who I really am with them. You ever read the story of the Samaritan woman? Do you wonder why she was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon out at a well all by herself? Nobody wanted to be with her. She was an outcast. I'm sure that the community knew everything about her. And they shunned her. And then Jesus comes along And what's the first thing she does after she realizes who he is? She goes back into the village, into the town, and she says, come see a man who knows everything about me. He's surely the son of God. And the Bible says they all go out to where Jesus is, and they received him. And then there's this little passage. They turn to him turn to her and say we have come to him because of the word of your testimony 
God, she could have rejected them. She could have done anything but go and lead them back to God. But she understood something. Those people in her life were there because God put them there. What about your neighbors? What about your relatives? Sometimes we're so busy trying to change the outside of them that we don't realize that's not going to do anything until God changes the inside. And the only way he does that is through our testimony and the way we love them. My dad, he came from World War II. Those guys, they had a tough time being huggy and loving. And so one day in college, I remember sitting and hearing some guy up there preaching, and he was talking about honoring your parents and this stuff, and I thought I'd always honor my dad. But then I realized something. I had never told my dad I loved him, ever. But as I sat there in this service, just like you are sitting in this, I did what we all do. I rationalized. Hey, he never told me I loved me. My dad's never said he loved me. Never. Do you know what God said? Don't you love it when <laughs> he doesn't listen to you? <laughs> he doesn't care what your opinion is? <laughs> My dad never said he loved me. <laughs> so what? You honor him. But, 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 so what? You honor him. And all of a sudden, this amazing conviction come over my heart. You better tell your dad you love him. But he never told me. I don't care. <laughs> you tell your dad. That awesome Conviction didn't just go away when chapel got over that day. I remember through classes all afternoon, on and on. I need to tell my dad I love you. I need to tell my dad. And so finally that evening, I got in the car and I drove 50 miles down to our farm. And I get in there and all the time I'm there, I'm wrestling. I, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Because my dad's not a touchy-feely guy. And we're men. Finally, I'm just getting ready to leave, and I'm walking out the door, and I look up, and I see my dad standing there. See you, Danny. He always called me Danny. See you, Danny. And I stopped, and I just go, ah, big breath. Hey, Dad. Yeah. Uh, you know, I really love you. Many like that. Yeah. <laughs> out I went. Got in the car. Started driving up to Seattle patting myself on the back. Good job, good job. And do you know what God did? You got to do it again. Say what? I mean, I, I'm feeling torn because I did what he told me to do and now I got to go back and do it again. And that conviction didn't go away. And so the next night I drove down there again. And now my dad and I are pitching horseshoes. And we're pitching them, and, I, and all of a sudden, I go, put my arm around his shoulders. And I say, Dad, you know I really, really love you. My dad shook. His knees almost buckled. And I remember him turning to me and said, Danny, 
I love you too. And from that day until the day that I held my dad as he died, there wasn't a day or a time that he didn't say, I love you. I lost my dad, but I don't live in regrets. I lived in the now and the where and the who. And I learned that that's where God wants us to live. Because folks, that's his gift to you. I hope you understand what I'm saying to you. Because folks, you live in a world that is filled with something it doesn't have. Tomorrow. You have now. And it's a gift from God that says, wait upon the Lord and he will renew your strength right where you're at, with the people you're at, in the place you're at. Because my God, he's there.